0: You should not never go in and expect something to be done for functional purposes, but not to look good as well. Like everything should be done with a cosmetic touch. And so as I've grown the practice, I'm constantly reinvesting into the practice. Welcome, everyone, to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life?
1: Welcome back to the Ultimate Shift. Today we have Jeff Tremley. Am I saying that right? Sounds good to me, Tremley. Yes, (laughs) Tremley. So yeah, we got you today, thanks to Cisco as usual. And uh, I'm really curious about your story. You are a. Your name doesn't even have to be said here in Nashville. Everyone knows who you are. You have smile on, right? Smile on Nashville. Uh, Nashville. Uh, You do dentistry work a lot more than just. Regular dentistry work, uh, cosmetic work, all kinds of stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. So we were just talking prior to us starting to record. We both grew up within two hours apart from each other. When that's we were right. in uh, Pennsylvania. So can you, how did that story happen? How do you end up having one of the top dentistry, There's probably a better word than that, dental, dental practices or whatever the professional word is, in Nashville from starting there in Pennsylvania? Well,
0: I enjoyed my time in PA, but I, I guess I moved down to Tennessee, Knoxville area when I was first grade, stayed in Knoxville, went to UT for undergrad, I I ran track there. I was a pole vaulter. Really? Yeah. Yeah. it was fun. Back then, Tennessee was a real powerhouse in track, and, and I decided to stay in state instead of going somewhere else. It was a great decision. Pretty much fell in love with the state. I went out to Memphis for dental school for four years and uh, which was not an easy road. Dental school is not a a walk in the park. But then when I finished, I moved to Nashville and that was in 2013, right before what I would consider the boom in Nashville. Mm -hmm. It was still kind of old Nashville. I mean, who could leave it in that stage? It was probably in 2013. I couldn't imagine moving to a better city in terms of growth and opportunity, so did you did you ever expect that it would become what it is no i mean i i remember because i've lived in the gulch down in the icon uh, in the gulch and uh since i've been here since 2013 and funny thing is i remember the first time i saw the line at the angel wings oh yeah you know I, i recorded it and i sent it to my parents being like hey there's so many people coming here that they're standing in line now to get a picture for the wings. And of course, now, even even this year, they're still lying in front of the wings.
1: Yeah. Or Biscuit Love
0: right around the corner yeah. from you. It's funny you bring up Biscuit Love because I, I go there about three days a week right at 7 a.m. when they open the door. Really? Yeah. I love Biscuit Love.
1: I have been there twice. I guess I went as soon as they opened as well. It's been years ago. But I, I mean... I went by there this morning as I was driving by and there was a long line And, of course anyone who's in Nashville today is just raining, cold, dreary. There's a line almost over to well, it would be almost a I guess a half block away to the front of Barley. It's crazy. It just blew my mind.
0: Well the owners of that business, they're they're friends of mine. They they really do a great job and they they treat their staff very well. So it's it's good to support some biscuit love.
1: Hey, it's a it's a iconic business here for sure. Yep. Uh, so when you were a kid you, you knew you wanted to become a dentist, that or what was your what were your dreams, your goals at that time? It's kind of a funny story since it's a
0: podcast, we might as well get into it. Yeah. I, I I went into to undergrad in Tennessee thinking I wanted to do dentistry and then the second semester, I ended up with a 1.67 GPA. I got two C's and a D. I was more interested in hanging. This out. was at UT. At UT. Okay. So I swiftly got away from the prereqs for dentistry. And thought, Man, this isn't for me. Really? Then my senior year, I was driving home during Christmas, and I looked up at my dad, and I said, "I'm thinking about taking the prereqs for dentistry." It was one of the most important moments of my life because he just looked over at me and smiled re- real big and said, yeah, it's a good, yeah, might as well, you know? So what is, what is the prereqs in that? Uh, just term? all the science classes, you know, okay. the physics, the organic chem, chemistry. It's It's not a fun undergrad route, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. It's not... It's but does that lock you in then pretty much? Or is that kind of still experimenting? Like, do I want to go there? Or? Well, once you satisfy the prereqs, you can apply.
0: Okay. And then you have to you know, get accepted. But you can't apply until you satisfy the prereqs. So here I am as a senior. I've only got a, a few of the prereqs decided. I'm going to spend another three years of undergrad getting these prereqs done so i was i was in ut for seven falls i think i have a record but yeah that moment when my dad looked over and smiled and said yeah you should it 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 stood out to me as one of the most pivotal moments of my life because had he balked at all or said you sure you want to do that i was so timid about the idea that I, i wouldn't have done it because so. of the,
1: the classes that you were getting prior or whatever?
0: Right. Yeah, You didn't,
1: you didn't quite know if you can do it, maybe? Right. Yeah, who,
0: who goes and does four years of college, then right on the way out decides you're going to shift gears right. and spend? So, yeah.
1: So that's just the basically the science behind it. Then you went to Memphis and spent how many years there? Four years in, in Memphis. And
0: um, it was a great a great time um I had a great you know a, a lot of really awesome classmates but i i realized early on that i was different from most of my classmates in the sense that you know i've got four or five dookie Hausers in there people who were incredibly intelligent you could rattle off a speech and they could remember it and give it back to you so those those are the people i'm competing against in tests and i got it handed to me the first two years it was brutal just the class load, the, the work. But then when we went into the clinic, into the, the, the lab, and we started doing all the actual handwork, that was very easy for me. And um, and I started realizing, you know, this is, uh, I'm really glad I did this because the dentistry came to me very easy. And um, hey, you're just doing very precise, um, things in a small working area and you don't want somebody really smart doing that if they can't control their hands. Mm -hmm. I'm just medium intelligence, but I I can control my
1: hands. So I think
0: that I'll take that.
1: The hands-on over the uh, mental part, huh? Well, I guess it's both maybe, but
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I'm a big believer in you learn Mm hands-on things, but, uh, so what's I mean, what's your favorite thing about what you do? Why do you keep doing it? Or why do you keep wanting to learn? Like you you've got some of the most updated technology, if you will, in the industry. Like you seem to always want to stay ahead of the curve. Like what makes you so passionate about what, what you do?
0: Yeah. Well, every dental office is, is different. There is no you don't just go to the dentist to get something fixed. You, you can, and, and a lot of them have a lot of overlap. But dentistry is still one of the great entrepreneurial jobs in that you can go open a practice and do exactly what you want within the practice. And I realized early that I really enjoyed the the Smile makeovers. And to do that, when I opened Smile on Nashville, I opened that up about three years ago. It's down here near downtown Nashville. I started implementing these things in the practice to make it revolve around aesthetic um, and cosmetic changes for people that are creative. And so my, my saying is all, da- all dentistry is cosmetic. So you should never go in and expect something to be done for functional purposes but not to look good as well. Like everything should be done with a cosmetic touch. And so in that, as I've grown the practice, I'm constantly reinvesting into the practice. And so now, um, because I have put the time and energy into setting up that scheme, I have a lot of people come to me for Everything from veneers to just little adjustments that they need done. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could go to another practice and they wouldn't have the apparatus in place to do it. Mm-hmm. Much like I don't have the apparatus in place to pull people's teeth and give them dentures. It's just not the
1: type of dentist I right. do. Yeah, wow. That's, so if, if you, if we back up to your 15, 16 year old, so you're starting out and you're, you know, you kind of want to go down this road. And with everything you know now, if you had to tell that young Jeff anything, what would you tell him?
0: Ooh, good question.
1: I don't regret my path. I think the delays
0: that I've had. I graduated dental school at thirty-one. Some of my classmates graduated at twenty-four. You know. I don't I don't regret the, the road I took. I guess I would I would hope anybody in, in any industry or any profession is that they love what they're doing. So How can you find out if dentistry is for you? Um, One way would be to go spend time with a a dentist, to shadow, to understand it's going to be a grueling academic uh, hurdles to get to that end point. But you gotta love what you do. You're gonna be good at anything you love. So um, how could a dentist love dentistry? Um, Coming from a patient's perspective, It's because um, I think dentistry is one of the most... Modern dentistry is one of the most creative, kind of fun professions. And I can get into that later. But you just got to love what you're doing.
1: Do you think that passion and careers can and should line up? Or one should basically transition into the other? Or they run parallel with each other?
0: Um, No, not necessarily. I think often work is a means to an end so there's nothing wrong with having a job that really supports you and and your family or or whatever that you're not real passionate about if you have passions you know and, and i guess the hope would be that you can move things to get paid for your passion but absolutely not i mean if you if you have a good means of income and you're not just in love with what you're doing, that doesn't mean you should bail. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I think if, if you have a, a great career that supports you financially, then that it's just an opportunity for you to do what you want with your free time.
1: Yeah. All right. You might relate a lot to this as, as an entrepreneur as well. I, I often think, and I watch a lot of people want to start a business or a career and they may have that job that you're discussing, that, that good income job or whatever that's supporting them or their family that maybe they're single still and they quit that job in order to go chase that thing they think is maybe gonna fulfill them or make them happy or whatever it is. Maybe like in, in this case, the love you found for dentistry, uh, maybe they think that that's what they're gonna get out of it. Um, how important do you think it is as an entrepreneur to because any entrepreneur that has quote unquote made it in any sense and by that I mean you know that they, their their work is now sustaining them how important is it that that someone takes the time and does the work and maybe goes through those like you said for you it was maybe those grueling years at dental school for for uh, someone like me that's more in the construction industry maybe it's it's the grueling work out Side and the elements, trying to work harder or do you know just make a name for yourself against the big guys. How important is that part of the entrepreneurial journey? Do you think it is, without a doubt, the barometer.
0: It is the the uh, the barrier to entry. So I love Gary i I'm sure you really a
1: yeah yeah or, I, I
0: listen to him occasionally. Um, Gary V encourages younger people to not worry about where they are, but to keep the pursuit to be risky. And as you were just asking that question, let's say let's correlate it with construction or whatever. Well, I had to work really hard at the end of college to satisfy those prereqs. I applied to dental school for four years. I was not accepted the first. Really? Yeah. Wow. I ended up coming to Nashville and teaching at Montgomery Bell Academy, which is a private school, teaching for a few years and coaching. You were teaching dentistry? No, teaching 7th uh, grade
1: boys. Really? Uh, Just uh, like the general teaching? Yeah. Everything. Wow.
0: Um, I did that because I knew it would be good for the application, but and I took night classes and... I'm saying all this because all the stuff I did from undergrad when I decided to go back into dentistry, the four years I was out and and not gaining acceptance to dental school, then the real work started in dental school, which was quite literally 15 hours a day of study of of all these things. And then real work starts when you get out. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to replace, you know, the sacrifice in say, a a job like construction, well, I would correlate that to, you know, you work your eight hours a day, you come back and have direct energy input into whatever vision you have for another four or five hours. You make calls, you seek uh, training from people above you. And so even though my path was at least contained in a program, the same amount of energy input could be done in any field and be when I say it was easier to do it my way, I mean it was easy in the sense that I had classes to go to and I had projects and I had grades to but if you were in a less more abstract, you know, I just wanna be an entrepreneur in this field, I have to work eight, nine hours a day, how am I gonna accomplish it? Well you gotta do it after work. You Mm -hmm. gotta put the time in, you know. I mean, like my midterms and boards, I mean, I, I can't even count the hours that I study for that. And so if I wanted to be the man in construction, you've got to have the discipline to input that extra energy how you see fit. Yeah.
1: I think when you, when you stop the income, first off, now that's pressure. You know, when you're yeah. talking about maybe it's not that job you love, but now if you cut that off to try to do something that you think is gonna fulfill you quicker maybe, then all of a sudden now you have that pressure and now that job doesn't even become fun because you're still trying to, so I'm a big believer in, in that side hustle, kind of like what Gary Vee talks about yeah. and what you're saying to, to build something until that can replace your income and then, then go do that. Uh, in today's world of, so many people talk about mentors. Yeah. Do you think that someone has to, for you, it would be a dentist, maybe you know someone that's been there? Do you rely on lot a lot on those guys that have been there where maybe you haven't been yet, or do you think with social media the way it is, and you know you have pretty much access to Gary and E wherever, whether it's a uh, podcast or YouTube? Do you think that that still stands? As in, you should work one on one with that mentor quote unquote, or that you can kind of gather all the information you need to become a startup and to do what you want to do off just online.
0: I think it depends on the personality type, the one pursuing the, you know, the, 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 the dream, but having a mentor is great. As long as, you know, the problem with the mentor is you got to be the right mentor and how do you vet the person, you know, that they're giving you what they want and not feeding their ego. So I would say a little bit of both. I mean, there's, I believe for many reasons, it's the best time to be alive. And, and within the last few thousand years on earth, one, women are more free than they've ever been. You know, uh, the flow of information is more free than there's ever been. You can access information. You don't have to go get a degree, to know and you know, the details and the things you need to know of a specific field. It's all out there. Mm-hmm. Go and organize it and find it. It's funny you asked about whether a mentor or you know online pursuit is better. And in my book, or at least with my experience, it's amazing what Instagram has done for dentistry because it's connected all these dentists around the world and you get to see what other people are doing. And, um, you said you're in construction. Mm-hmm. Well, specifically we do flat roofs, commercial roofing. Mm-hmm. Well, you specifically could see, um, maybe a few pictures of what somebody was doing mm-hmm. and not have to sit through a two hour training. You could look at it and be like,
1: ah, oh, right. yeah,
0: that makes right. sense and that's the way dentistry has evolved over the last few years in instagram you see these real just amazing guys that you would never be aware of you follow them and next thing you know you're starting to implement things based off of photos that they're doing because you know that you have this big understanding of what's happening all you need to do is see a little bit and you're like yep i'm going to start going that way with a few things so the mentor, it's all its all about having the right mentor though, because I could see that as being, you know, somebody who doesn't know a lot about their field and latching to somebody who they think is successful could be almost as destructive as it is.
1: I've seen it to where if some, you know, guy or girl, man or woman may have a great reputation as an entrepreneur and may have built a multi-million dollar company, and then you, you think like they have all the knowledge you need but their industry is different and then all of a sudden it's destructive because yeah. what they just because what they built isn't exactly the same. And so I, I've I've seen a lot of people really conflicted in that mentorship kind of guide. And and the other thing kind of you touched on it, you said make sure they're not feeling their own ego is, okay, well, let me rephrase that differently. If someone came to you and was like, hey, Jeff, teach me everything you know, or if you wanted to go to someone and ask them that question, how do you know if that person is doing it genuinely? Mm-hmm. Meaning, should a mentor, should a good mentor, just want to help you? Or if it's, is there anything you look for when you're looking for people, to people for advice like that? Um, I guess the simple question is, how do you know if someone's genuine or not? I,
0: uh, I'm just a dentist. I can't answer all that.
1: <laughs> for you. Well, so in my
0: field, there have been some, some schools of thought that have, have risen to be very reliable, some intense training, post-dental school training that uh, there's one up in Seattle called Koi's. You end up spending about 60 grand to get through the whole program. And if you go through that, you come out very well sharp. I mean, you come out of that a different person.
1: In all aspects, in not, all. not just your career field. Well,
0: it's it's clinically driven, but you come out of it as with not too many questions on how to handle complex cases. And luckily that exists in my field, and that's a very trusted source. you got to pay for it, mm-hmm. but it's there. I can't speak for that in other fields. So, you know, basically nobody goes to Koi's and comes out and said, man, I just wasted money. They're like, I would pay double for mm-hmm. what I've acquired. So if, if anybody wants to visit my Instagram to see my work, because I, I post a lot of my work on Instagram, it's J.F. Trembly or Smile on Nashville. I met a Venezuelan guy uh, in 2015 on Instagram who was posting these, the most incredible photos I've ever seen. His name is Dr.
1: Uh have photos of, of teeth specifically.
0: Yeah, like like macro photos where, you know, he's he's putting a veneer on a tooth, and it's the whole picture, and it's really crisp, and it's got incredible lighting, stuff I'd never seen before. So I've reached out to him. And I it's said, this was through Instagram. Through Instagram. Mm-hmm. And he wrote me back, and I'm asking, how do you do this? I, I want to do what you're doing. After, I couldn't believe it, but the guy was actually exchanging you know, messages back and forth. Well, you're going to want to buy this camera, or you want to buy, these are the three cameras you might want to buy, You did this, this, and this. So I, I invested the money in the camera. He said, why don't you host a course? I'll come up and, and do the course, and, and you put it together, find 10, 12, 13 people. So he and another Venezuelan flew up here. Um, South Americans are the best dentists in the world, by the way. Really? Yeah. How so? Because uh, they're passionate. They're very passionate, and so they they figured out a lot of stuff that us lazy Americans really. Just yeah. That's interesting. So he comes up, puts on the course. In that course, it's so funny because the people who took that course are now. there are probably seven of them that now are the head honchos in dentistry. So they came and took the course and what they learned from the course was how do I transfer what's inside my head to the rest of the world? How do I show what I'm doing? And that course allowed for that to happen. So Dr. Diegar and Dr. Jesus Ostos, they stayed with me and after the course was over, I went over a few cases with them and just to talk about the mentorship. And they gave me some suggestions that completely, they were a paradigm shift on how I was processing cases, how I would ensure they looked the way I wanted them to. And Dr. Diegar has been back here probably four times to stay with me. He was back this year, he flew to California. So I created this amazing friendship with a guy I wanted to mentor me just in the photos. Mm -hmm. you know how do I capture photos and um, to this day he's been the most important influence on my professional career because I uh, attribute my Instagram to how I was able to break away from being an associate and opening my own because I built enough of an interest through Instagram
1: that's powerful
0: so powerful
1: yeah, that's a really cool story because that tells you, you know, you used him kind of as a mentor there, but it wasn't that he was out there blasting. I'm a teacher. I'm a consultant. It was more of you. You saw a niche of something in your industry that you wanted to learn, and then you went after that guy. And I think that's maybe how you find the more. You probably answered that question. That is how you find the genuine people, probably. Yeah. Is you because they're not out there saying, I know everything here, let me teach you. And then they're actually not even practicing anymore. In that case, there, I've seen that a lot where someone's like, Well, I'm a mentor now, you know, let me teach you, let me charge you 10 grand for my course. But now they're no longer practicing. And now it's just, and so anyway, I, and I'm not hating on anyone that does that. It's just, uh, I get that question a ton. I do some consulting in my field and I get that question a ton is like, How do you find good mentors? How do you find and it's just you know, so I was curious what your answer was on that. Yeah, how do you how do you stand apart from when you have let's say ten other dentists or whatever in Nashville? Of course, there's a lot of people here, but in the industry, everything is competitive at some sort. Or as an entrepreneur, how do you set yourself apart? How important is it to keep learning to pivot or whatever? You know, did this year teach you anything different? Maybe with COVID and then dentistry. I don't know how those two. Kind of yeah. ran with each other.
0: Well, dentistry is its just like every profession. You could be the best and nobody know it. Or you could be the best at marketing and have the most successful business but not do great dentistry. And, and you buy enough magazine ads, you buy enough build. The crazy thing is before Instagram, before social, the guys... Or, you know, I, I have my quotation fingers. The guys in town, and I'm not saying Nashville. I'm just saying in any city, were the guys who had the established practice and spent the most money on marketing, and so they built this. Who do you go to? Go to so and so because I've seen him in the magazines, and my my aunt, my my brother goes there. Go see this guy. Whereas now, what I've done is I I take photos of my cases and just put it out there. So. Um, I've used that as a consumer-based, um, you know, this is what I do. If you're interested, come see me. But that's not enough. For a while, that fed me new patients. And now as other people are learning how to do that, it's now very saturated. And there are other to answer your question, yes. There's a constant adjustment and analysis of what do I need to keep doing? How do I keep getting better to feed the practice, to constantly get it better, to earn the trust of the people in my town so I can feed my staff and, and me?
1: So as, as the head, your st- how do you keep your staff uh, – I guess align with your vision for where you want to go, with your passion. Like, how do you get that out of out of people working for you? I don't know, but if you figure it out, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. No, I, I, I'm kidding. So one one funny thing is that um, when I started the practice, there have been so many changes because I have had this vision of how where I want the practice to be, and every six months of taking chunks and out of that and we're really close so my end goal is this when, a, when somebody comes to me for let's say a smile makeover which is my favorite thing which is this is my smile I don't like it make it better there can be ortho involved tooth extractions there could be real you know maybe it's just veneers we put on them but it's taking what the patient wants processing it, and giving them a result that they feel confident in and so what I've done a smile in Nashville that's so different is that we don't in the past you just kind of have to trust the dentist whereas now we I have a photo studio in my practice I have a digital scanner to digitize in 3d the upper and lower teeth we align those with the photos we take the photo away we have a software where we build the new smile in functional movements and we get the aesthetics the length the spacing of the teeth we print that on our 3D printer those models and then you know we have the 3D x-rays and all this stuff and so what i'm basically doing is capturing the physical attributes of every patient building their new smile and a digital world not just a proposal the actual smile to you know down to the millimeter Mm -hmm. and we print that and the patient comes back in after we finish that work and we have methods to try those new smiles on their teeth using i won't go into details of it but without having to give shots in just a temporary way we we can put it on we then take photos of the after we put the before on the screen the after on the screen we go through what do you like what do you dislike do you like your edges curved more you know and we arrive at a design that they like we then scan it again so that this is this is what we want this is what the patient has approved
1: so from the, if I could just stop you for a sure. second, from that first time standpoint of them coming in saying, I want a small makeover to now where you said, this is what they like. How, what's that time frame?
0: Two visits. The first visits an hour where we just collect the data. We get the scans, the photos. I, I do an exam where I'm, you know, I look at the teeth and I make sure certain things line up. Of course, we go through a checklist of, you know, it's this patient having jaw pain and they you know, have their joints. But if all that lines up, it's called our 3D workup. And it's, it's this vision I've had of instead of someone having to trust me, I don't want you to trust me because I'm going to show you. Mm. And it's been really successful. Um, I charge a, a one-time $300 fee for all the work, for printing, all that, just to, to get that work done. And then on the second visit, the patient comes in, and that's about an hour, hour and a half. They come in and we apply it to the teeth. We then go take photos. We make any adjustments. We take it off the teeth. It's so fun because in that appointment, patients are taking selfies. Yeah. And and it, and it really kind of shocks people that, that this is possible. And so in, at the end of that visit, we go over financials and we talk about how this process is going to work and how many appointments it'll require. But
1: basically, how are we getting it from 3D to now the real thing? Correct. Whether that was through veneers, or like you said earlier, maybe orthodontistry or moving or whatever. Yeah.
0: And the, one of the unintended consequences of that, which is good for patients and for myself, is so this vision I've had is precision. Patients don't have to trust me because I'm going to show them by leveraging technology. And that the new part of that that is unfolding right now is in the past, if you had a smile makeover, you would be in temporaries while the ceramist was making your permanent ceramic out of porcelain to, to bond to the teeth. Well, we're instead of right now, that's about a three week process. The last part of the vision is to take that from three days, from three weeks to two and a half to three days. Wow. So we, we've we got a new milling device in our office where we mill veneers to be seated on the teeth. So in 2021, I'm not sure at what point, but in 2021, from the first scan when the patient comes in to when their permanent veneers or crowns or whatever are on, if they don't need ortho, then they will... That'll be a three-day process, which is a huge advantage.
1: Three-day process.
0: Wow. That's a game changer. It is a game changer, especially because a lot of people like coming to Nashville. And if they want to come to Nashville and have this process done, we're setting up that apparatus for that to be possible. So it's all
1: of a sudden now, it's because of the time that you've been able to cut back. It's no longer about let's just get all the locals. Now you can get people from all over the world. If they're, I mean, as people come to Nashville for a week at a time, things like that. That's incredible. Wow. How do you duplicate what you do? Uh, Or is that just not possible? Because you're one of the, you're very independently owned here, right? Yeah. So, and. and There's only one smile on Nashville. There's no change. Right. Right. So do you think you would ever duplicate it? The ability to duplicate what we're doing
0: is, is. Becomes more possible the the more that we're leveraging this system and this protocol. So I have a very important team member. His name is Dr. Antonio Gonzalez from Venezuela. So there's a theme you know mm-hmm. Venezuela, their economy crashed. they, they went into the communist state. It's falling apart. So Venezuelans have fled Venezuela. and they're beautiful people. They're amazing people, and a lot of them are in Tennessee now. And he's one of them. So I've got this guy who landed in my lap, who is was a dentist in Venezuela. He's brilliant with technology, so he does all my computer design and the software. Uh, he does, he handles all the printing while I'm working on patients. So I took kind of a big risk in hiring someone who's not actually producing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you have two dentists; they're working on their own patients separately from each other. I changed that model to where now you have two dentists working on everyone's case, technically three. Two, have.
1: two or three per one, per every individual client? Correct. Okay.
0: For a lot of reasons, it, it, dentistry is better when you have a few brains going back and forth, but he's able to do things while I'm, while I'm working the eight hours a day on patients. He's in the office doing all the workups that we've talked about. And um, so, how could that be scaled? Well, if you're a dentist somewhere and you take photographs of your patients and you do the scan that I've, you know, you buy the scanner, you could send that to us, and we could complete the case for other dentists. Send them back the file, and then the dentist could take over where I take over. That's one way to do it.
1: So it's kind of bringing a part of, of the whole picture in and you're fulfilling that part of it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's say I wanted to make three smile on Nashville's to run in the image of, of the one that exists. It could be scalable because of how, simply because of how we're leveraging the technology and it's we're proving case after case after case that this is, not only is it reliable, it's way better than the analog version where we used to take impressions and mm-hmm. trim the models. and We used to do the smile designs in wax. Mm-hmm. you you get somebody's teeth and you design the new teeth in wax, and I did that for years. I'd stay, stay in the office late. The way we've replaced that is we scan the teeth, we pull in the program, and now we, we arrange the teeth with these real powerful programs, and let's print it. Mm-hmm so it's really cool Be-
1: because of all the technology i feel like it's it's brought down costs a lot of, of different things and for myself i'm i had a, a dentist for years and bless his heart uh, not talking bad about it but it it led to a bunch of problems eventually and so i i'm for me i think i'm over 20 grand in my dentistry this oh, year man. so what do you say to people who they say look I I really want my small makeover but you know I don't have the finances for it right now like what kind of uh, what kind of what do you tell them like what should they work for what should the next step be in that any anything like that that...
0: a few things the 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 technology that we're employing now though it can reduce costs it it hasn't done that quite yet because for example the program the design software is ten thousand dollars the scanner not even to mention all the computers to put it on. The scanner itself is fifty thousand dollars. The wow. you know, the milling machine that I'm using to, to make the veneers, that's sixty grand. And, you know, so there's a lot of upfront costs. But what's important about what I'm doing, let's say somebody came to me and they knew they want a smile makeover, is that we are creative in how we can provide that. And once we have the design then that's the hard part. The easy part is finding out how to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is um, you know, there are different financing options, but my ultimate goal for this, and I'm going to make it happen, is just like LASIK eye surgery. When LASIK eye surgery came out, you had to be you know, the 1% to get it done. It was just very expensive. Mm-hmm. Now you can go get it done For very affordable, I think like four or five grand or something like that. One of my friends did. Yeah, because the technology's spreading, the training's gone, and and it's not a huge cost to the 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 optometrist. And I I would say breast augmentation is a very similar thing. When Mm -hmm. it first came out to get those silicone breasts, Mm -hmm. very expensive. You had to be a Hollywood wife. Yeah. Now anybody can get it done because the the understanding is spread, and so. One thing that Antonio and I are working on that we talk about all the time is instead of taking this system that we're developing and keeping the smile design away from the hands of people who really need it, you know, people who can't afford a $40,000 smile makeover, we are leveraging the technology in an attempt to bring the price down to serve more people. My goal is to... Prep a case in the morning, see a case in the afternoon, and get away from the big traditional busy dentistry, seeing forty patients a day, mm-hmm. and that will happen. It's, we're not quite there yet. There are some weeks when I have you know a morning patient and afternoon patient, but as the business grows, as we get more cloud. My goal is to lower the price from even where it is
1: now by about 50%. Wow. It sounds like what your goal is, and then doesn't say you won't do any general dentistry, maybe, but like that you're kind of finding a niche and then you're going right after that. And do you think that there will come a day where you said you, you know, if you're doing getting people in and out in three days for a complete smile makeover? Is, is that then what small on Nashville will become, you think?
0: Uh, I, I don't know for sure if I'll ever get away from doing the general uh, fillings, single crowns, that type that of thing. Is that still
1: kind of the bread and the butter of the business in a sense?
0: It is. If the schedule allows for it, I would love to just do makeovers all day. The more I do, the better we get. But also, I, I still love the opportunity to... If somebody comes in and they need a lot of work, where I think the profession has fallen short is, instead of saying, okay, we're gonna fix this, this, and this to get you where you can chew without pain. Well, how much more effort would it take to correct some other things you don't feel Mm -hmm. good about? And there are real creative ways of doing it. You don't have to veneer everything. You can whiten, you can add resin, you can do a lot of things. And so where I'm changing things in 2021, that are different than how I've done in the past is every new patient that comes in has a 30-minute visit with me before they get a cleaning, before anything, to where we can go through all their photos and x-rays and really find out in the beginning, we know you need this work. Does it appeal to you to do this? This is what it could look like. Partly because I've had a few patients once we're, once we're getting in on this work, hey, doc, what would it what would it cost to you know, pull this whole thing together and say, well, shoot, I wish we would have talked about this in the beginning. Right. So, because I've also realized people just don't know it's possible. Right.
1: That's what I learned. I learned, of course, I went to Dr. Neighbors, and really it's interesting you, uh, and he's been incredible. He's awesome. He, but that was through Instagram. It was, I wanted to, I had a problem with, I had chipped tooth in front, or two. I when I was a kid or younger, at least I chipped to my front teeth and they were starting to crack again because the filling was not done properly, or something. turns out then there was an abscess or something. And all that kind of mess led to a lot of dental work. And I kept seeing his, whether it was through friends or something on Instagram, maybe he was running ads, I don't know. And finally, and this is something that I think was so amazing to me. Like I just, a lot of times I feel like Maybe it's not dent, you know, dentistry in a sense, but if if you have a successful company, then the leader or the entrepreneur or whatever is all of a sudden too good to get back to the people with basic questions. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing he did. And it's, I literally DM'd him and, and, or DM'd the page, I guess, or I guess it's his own page now. And he responded within like an hour or so and was like, hey, um, you know, come in and and you know we'll do a free whatever thing and just come in and we'll take a look at it and, and i was taken away by that I, I wasn't expecting necessarily an answer even or something it was a very basic question and i went in and yeah and it's just kind of like the the tools that we now have is is incredible so and he's been he's been really good to work with i've been i've enjoyed it it seems like i mean you guys do a lot of somewhat of the same it, it sounds like you have some technology that that I, I don't know you know I don't know what he had, all has but I have you've said some things that have been pretty incredible like I, that I feel like, but but uh, come back to the point of I had no idea that I could do some of the things that that he could do and yes it wasn't cheap but at the same time it's it's less painful if you can get the money to do it because I think that years ago it would have been like okay well there's you know steel braces or whatever maybe be in. So I was just, I was just really impressed and taken back by how easy everything just flowed. So Dr. Neighbors, I, I gotta, I gotta
0: toot Dr. Neighbors for him for a minute. He is, he is spectacular. I got to, I got to know Dr. Neighbors more this year than I've had, than I have since I've been in Nashville. I was always aware of him. He's top notch. Not every dentist in Nashville is. I'm not going to, you know, go through the details of it, but some you have a perception and, and just because the office is nice, mm-hmm. they got a nice looking staff, you know. Um, some of those offices are very, very, they've got some dark undertones. Dr. Neighbors is a class act. He's a fantastic dentist. He reached out to me to help him with his photography and I did. And If you go to his Instagram, it's great. He's yeah. really done a good job of it. He pictures. has. He's, he's helped me in many ways as well. He loves taking pictures. He I
1: always laugh at it when I go in there. He's like, oh, just come back here. It's um, the blueprint.
0: Yeah, it's he's the blueprint. An
1: incredible, man. And I, I'll say this for his team is I've been blown away by his team and at, at how he is. Everyone is just helpful, just available, just you can get a hold of them, and I think that's so important in in businesses. And I'll I'll say this about him, since we're tooting his horn kind of here is, I had one small little issue. I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago, whatever. And it was on a weekend and I was in Memphis on a job and I I, I messaged him on Instagram again. I was like, hey, I got this happening. And I wasn't gonna get back until Saturday at like five o'clock. And he left his family things, whatever he was doing, met me in his office at 5 30 on a saturday night and i was like this is i've never heard of anyone that does that my prior dentist he would have there's no way i would have to go through his schedules through his staff to get in on the next available time frame whatever and i was just like this you know i think that's that goes to show for guys like you and him that are willing to step outside the the box mm-hmm. of, of maybe what the dentistry used to be like and that's what what's bringing you to where you are
0: He's a great guy, like just like Doctor Neighbors. There are many weeks that I work seven days a week because there's always it's always Thursday or Friday that something goes wrong. Yeah. So I find yeah. myself in there, but I love what I do enough to where I you know oh, I gotta go in. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy helping people, and the funny thing about Instagram now is that most of the time, uh, my staff doesn't really know this, but. I wash through about 70% of all my new patients because they've reached out to me first. Wow! So Instagram makes us very accessible and I've even had to employ systems to where I can answer their questions, fill out this form on this link. My team will call you next Mm -hmm. week and so it's, it's a little overwhelming, you know, because I never want somebody to reach out to me. I see it on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. you know, a question and not answer it. I'm, let's it's say I'm out with
1: friends and right. stuff, right.
0: Yeah. And so I have to be real mindful of that because you know, you could have somebody message you an important message right after you post a photo and their message gets lost in the mm-hmm. Instagram. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's,
1: but yeah,
0: I mean, Instagram is an extension of my
1: practice. Yeah. and By the way, to all the listeners, this isn't just about dentistry. This goes for any business. Yeah. I mean, if you employ these strategies into your business, it's going to make you just. It's going to make you stand above that big company that everything is systems and they can't access that person. Right. And that's one thing I've experienced in, in my industry already. Uh, man, we're we're running right on time already. I'm going to go over two more questions and then I'll let you get out of here. So, if you could ask. Well, no, let's do this one first. If if you were put on a world stage and given five minutes to, and you don't have to take five minutes here, but just to basically, this is how people would remember you by this is who Jeff Tremley is. uh, What would you say to the world that the world needs to hear that you think that the world could, could use right now?
0: I would warn people of the destructive nature of inflationary policy by the world bankers and our world leaders. (laughs) Can you elaborate on that a a minute? Yeah. So I spent a lot of my past studying economic theory, specifically Austrian economics, formed by, you know, around World War II, the the Austrians were pursued by Hitler because of their... He did not want their economic views uh, to gain popularity. But essentially... Austrian economics revolves around the idea that production and savings drives an economy and that money should be, money which is in the medium of exchange, should be, it should not be able to be inflated. The, the ability of our current governments and world leaders to inflate money, which devalues the, the, the dollar, the devaluation of the dollar is theft. It is theft on such a grand scale so if you had a hundred dollars in your checking account and next time you looked and it was only eighty dollars you'd be pissed you'd want to know where those twenty dollars went but through the subversive mechanisms that they employ the inflationary policies it's theft on a scale that is humanity doesn't even want to think about and it hurts the poor more than anyone wow so that would be it i wish people were more understanding of that some great Austrian books or economists would be Murray Rothbard, Ron Paul, ranford, the congressman from Texas but these are not feelings or beliefs they will convince you
1: uh, is that objectively you you recommended a book to me at Yoster's uh, party in 1984. Oh yeah, yeah. I just bought it. I, <clears throat> I, I, it just came. I haven't read it yet, but I just, I just got. Is that would that have be covering some of that topic as well, or is that a different? Uh...
0: Maybe a little bit, but, but not specifically economic theory. Um, economic theory. I think what one thing that the Austrians did such a good job at that kind of ties into eighty four is that um, wages and salaries is, is a reflection of your labor and you own your labor. Like, you know, so for uh, the state to, the state can't make you work. They can't force you to labor just in the same way that the state should have much more restrictions about the money they take from you in exchange
1: for your labor. And so it's really It's interesting. That's something I can dive into and enjoy. Yeah. Um, Okay. Last question. If you could ask anyone in the world any one question, who would it be and what would the question be? Mm. Person could be alive or dead. One question: Are you alive
0: or okay. dead? That's a tough one. It's kind of, it's kind of, um, man. I know mean, whatever answer I'll give, I'll come back. And be dead <laughs> dead and be like, man, I should have said this. There's a reason
1: I don't let people look over these questions before. Yeah. Because uh, you get sometimes more of a, this
0: is what I do. Yeah.
1: Not everyone We're, has an answer to that, by the way. They probably,
0: I, I kind of want to know where babies come from. <laughs> yeah, who would you ask? Anybody. Any, I've never had a good answer on that. Where <laughs> babies come from. No, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I am a very curious person, but man, just just being on the spot with that one, is it, tough. I, I'd probably want to know answers like, uh, who who really killed Kennedy? Was it the I, I think it was the world bankers. I think it was the banking cartel.
1: You know what's interesting to me? Interesting to me on that note. And I won't dive too much too deeper into this, but like it's when you study history, and I love history. So when you study history, and you you know you have the Kennedy situation, and at the time, no one wants to believe that 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 could have happened. What you just said, you know, that's a conspiracy now, or this and that, and it's always. Or Snowden is another great example. Yeah. He was made, you know, oh, he, you know, f him. Everyone hated him because they were kind of told oh, well, to. I loved it. And loved now, Snowden. well, yeah, me too. But that's that's when you understand kind of what he's doing. But so many people, they, you know, you're now a conspiracy theorist or whatnot. But then now we have, however many years later, the su- Supreme Court basically just cleared him on it, and still he's having to run. But, like, it's just all of a sudden people say, well, yeah, he was protecting us. And, and we understand that now. But I always find it fascinating that why does it have to be 10, 15, 20 years later until you see the light, if you will? And I think the media has some uh, somewhat of a control over that. But So great. I mean,
0: this could be our own podcast, but absolutely the media control of the perception of that. Because, you know, Kennedy gave a great speech is the one where he he warns against secret societies and and he basically identifies to the press that he wants them to constantly challenge he and his administration because the press is supposed to be the watchdog for the people Mm -hmm. and the press is supposed to question investigate you know not take any answer for truth regardless Mm -hmm. of the party about regardless and yeah course that's like investigative journalism those guys are supposed to be bulldogs man finding mm-hmm. out trying to because if they don't do it nobody will and at this point in time the at least the mainstream media and the ability of the gatekeepers to filter information it's getting it's getting very scary because they're uh it's such a powerful instrument and people who would otherwise be outraged they don't get the information unless they're specifically looking for it mm-hmm. and it's getting harder and harder and it's going the wrong direction.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, I think you're right. I think, I think that once you have that much power to where you can now filter the information. And by the way, I, this goes for both sides of the party, uh, for anyone that thinks that we're just on one target or another. And I think that's a really dangerous game to play. If you're not willing to question both, uh, whether it's if you're Republican or Democrat, but if you're not willing to question both the both the parties in the same manner, in the same regard, then then uh, yeah, that's a scary thing. Well, one more thing before we go, I've always viewed it instead
0: of Republican Democrat. I like to because I, I really loved Ron Paul. He was libertarian, kind of very different than mm-hmm. than other statesmen. Really, the only aisle is this. If there's a side of an aisle, it's either you're trying to grow government or you're trying to preserve um, the uh, individual rights of the individual. And what's happened with both parties is, is there's a perception that they're opposing mm-hmm. when they're both on the same side of growing government in different ways. They- Larger government, less, less individual, more, thinking. more wars, more bases overseas, more spending, more debt, more whatever. When if people think those are the two aisles, they're way far over on the same side. They're, they're They're on the same side of the coin, which is take away from the individual give to the state. The state in 1984, the book that I'm going to have you read, it is the strong arm of the state when it gathers all its power. And it's happening right
1: now that's interesting I, I like that take yeah it's well, but we don't think about it as their work and really at this point in time i think it's the government against the people yeah and, and we've seen that with covid more so than anything and that's not saying covid isn't real it's just saying you know it's it's when you can now mandate whether or not someone can take a walk outside their house that's a complete government controlled society it, those people have no more rights and, and you know and that's a that's what, that's what scares me but we won't dive too deep into that maybe that's another podcast for <laughs> yeah. another day and then yeah. we'll get a lot of haters from that but yeah. um, hey man I appreciate you coming on I just want to acknowledge you you, you build a heck of a, a brand a company nice. like I said I don't think you need to introduce yourself anywhere in Nashville uh, everyone knows who you are and, and I think that speaks for for the way you work and the way you you know go after your vision and dream thank you so much I appreciate it well it's been my pleasure and people can find you uh you had given out your instagram handle before anywhere else on instagram uh, you have smile on nashville.com
0: is that dude and, and and on on the website that one of the
1: cool things
0: that i'm doing is people can leave me virtual consults where they take pictures of their teeth they write what they and i send a video response i may not get to it for a week or two but that's awesome yeah okay and then just jeff
1: Tremley on yeah. instagram
0: Uh, Jeff Tremblay, and the handle is JF Tremblay,
1: and the other handle for my business is Smile on National. Perfect. And we'll put both of those in the show notes and everything as well, so uh, people can grab that. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you being on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy, and we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up but there's so many things that come up in between and my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal you can follow me on instagram at ephraim Glick, facebook at ephraim Glick, twitter at glick ephraim or you can go to the website at ephraimglick.com see you next time